video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when Hello, you watch my name is Justin the Clue, and I'm here today with Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast, where we go through all of this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs. Oh, uh, jumping into cult, first release is Versus, uh, a Japanese film I feel like I need to check out. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> yeah. kidding, I love this movie. Yeah, isn't this like your favorite movie of all time, or uh, one of them? Of all time? No, that is Dawn of the Dead. Uh, George Romero's Dawn okay. of the Dead. Okay. Versus comes pretty close. It's a movie that when I saw it, I was like, I want to make movies. This and Evil Dead, I think, would be up there. And it got a Blu-ray release a long time ago from Media Blasters. That went out of print and was like $150 if you wanted to pick it up. Yeah, that was much sought after. And now it's back. Thanks to Arrow, and they put on this limited edition, I guess, first printing, they also put the uh, Ultimate Versus, which is an insane thing where I think like eight Years later, the director, cast, and crew went back to add 15 minutes of action scenes to the movie that they shot for it. Yes. (laughs) Of a movie that people already considered too long and (laughs) action-packed. Great. Great. Well, it's cool that they've put it all on there. Yep. Uh, All the previous special features are on there. There's all the commentaries. There's like a million making ofs. I think that there's one like like visual essay so like someone talking over uh it uh shockingly and saddingly that's not a word but i just made it up because it's real sad, sad. i, I like was it. not I like featured it. on this yeah. disc no one reached out as versus fan number one what a shame <laughs> yeah but uh you know i guess the next printing they do come on it was a real missed opportunity let's put those feelers out there you got to get on a versus release uh i'm not kidding that i did post this on twitter and someone from arrow did reach out and said hey if we do something on streaming for it we'll give you a call no way well you know what that's better than nothing man that's uh, we're getting somewhere you're getting that's somewhere right. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I would definitely highly recommend this. If you have someone that likes anime, action, zombies, cool stuff, get them versus on Blu-ray. They'll appreciate it. Nice. So we also have Cry of a Prostitute from Mark's favorite director, Andrea Bianchi, the director of Burial Ground. Ooh, I do like Burial Ground, but I don't think I've seen any other films from this person. Ooh, didn't you see Strip Nude for Your Killer? Oh, I did. And you know, I didn't really like that film. Yeah, you know, the guy in that is just so unlikable. Like a lot of Giallo protagonists are, but uh, um, yeah, and this has a similarly, um, you know, offensive sounding title, but... uh, I don't think it's a slasher. I think it's more of a kind of Eurocrime, and I think that I've seen it. Does Henry Silverstar in this one? He does. He's right on the front yeah, cover. I've seen this one then. Yeah, yeah. I remember thinking it was okay. Hence, it's Code Red release. <laughs> yeah. It's a Kino Code Red. We keep saying Code Red, but technically they're Kino um, co-prods, right? They are. So, like, they're distributed through Kino now. So, I guess Code Red has their... I don't know what Code Red's deal is. I think they... Like, some of their stuff is distributed. Yeah. Kino is essentially, stuff... like, doing the re-releases of their old catalog. Totally. But so is Dark Force, right? Because Dark Force yes, is putting out stuff true. that is branded code. So red probably as well, the stuff so. that Kino doesn't want to release, they're going through Dark Force. Right. But I think you could still get some of their old like exclusive releases through Ronin Flicks, I believe. Still stock some of them. But yeah, I guess you're right. Like I don't know. The code red guy was always like a crazy person, right? So I mean, I I'm not surprised that. Wait, did you get rid of your I spit on your graves yet? <laughs> I think we're all only down to one or two. So wow, yeah, they've been really. Moving. So yeah, if you want one, yeah, I think we have two left on the shelf. So speaking of things that come in big boxes, it's another retro VHS box from Full Moon slash MVD, and it's Tourist Trap. It is. These things are insanely popular. When they did it for Puppet Master, they did it for Laser. Yeah, they did it for Laser Blast. Um. 
Do you want one? Do you want one? Well, I just got word, though, that Full Moon is releasing another version of Tourist Trap in February, an uncut edition. Do you know about this? I thought this one was uncut. Well, this one is what I thought, because this one's remastered, or it says it's, like, brand new. Yeah, so basically what happened is that Full Moon screwed up on their first Blu-ray of Tourist Trap. Which we've sold tons of. (laughs) Yeah, which wasn't uncut, and nobody noticed it until, like, fans finally saw it. And I thought this was a kind of, like, mea culpa, and this was the uncut version that's in this box. And maybe the Blu-ray that's in this box, once you open it up, it's just a normal Blu-ray. Maybe Full Moon is then selling it through their website. You know what? Maybe you're right then. Maybe this is just the, un- yeah, maybe this is the uncut one, but just in the retro box. I think in February they're going to be putting it out again as just, like, the Blu-ray and not the box Yeah, it doesn't come cheaper. with the little figurine in yeah, it. Yeah, so I think that's what it is. So, but yeah, this box is nice. It's If you like those cool, like, huge VHS things. It's great. I don't know. I think these releases are kind of cool. So. Uh, I think they're cool too. Even though like the figurine of the killer from Tourist Trap is like, uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I thought they would have done like the the like the like dummies that are in the movie and on the cover was like the mouse. That would be a perfect uh, That would have been way better. Oh, uh, well. Who knows? And these aren't actually that pricey. They're not like $100 like you would think like a limited edition like this no, would be. No, they're, uh, they're a cool 30 bucks, I believe. Yep, which is yeah. less than most uh, Scream Factory yeah. releases. and it is a combo pack too. So even if you don't have a blu-ray player which like why would why would you Please not have a blu-ray, a blu-ray player, player. <laughs> but you know why, comes with a DVD why are we talking too. about this uh a big update i did purchase the 4k blu-ray of the quick and the dead to get oh, those deleted scenes it, eh? <laughs> which are only included on the 4k blu-ray so thankfully my drive i was able to rip them doesn't have the bruce campbell scene i was uh, like you tricked me <laughs> yeah. how dare they <laughs> i know and they know that's why people would watch those deleted scenes I keep thinking they're going to, like, some specialty company is going to put out, like, a real nice special edition of Quick and the Dead at some point. I don't but think so. Maybe not. They, I yeah. think it would have happened with that 4K, if at all, yeah. Uh, Sam Raimi doesn't do commentaries and stuff like that. And when he does, he sounds kind of bored, other than, like, the Evil Dead 2 one. He says he can't watch his own movies, that he's too embarrassed by it. Oh, him. really? Nah. I mean, I guess that's the case with a lot of directors, right? Not me. I watch the stuff I've done. Mm, so good. Could watch it all the time. Yeah, me too. The, the shorts I made in university, still throw those on. Mm, who is the... Who is this prodigy? Yeah. <laughs> Real Matt Farley attitude. Yeah. Which is like, right? oh, he's the best. <laughs> so moving on, uh, we're going to the classic section. Again, not much cult stuff not coming out Not much cult now. stuff. But next week, we will have a lot of stuff. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, we're going to, you know, we'll have an end of the year bonanza of stuff. All right. So, so moving on, we have the Godfather Coda, the death of Michael Corleone, because people are hungry for this recut of Godfather 3, which I hear... Not that different. Well, they are certainly hungry for it, no matter. <laughs> we have sold so many copies of this. Like, people people really want to believe The Godfather 3 is, like, good stuff. So well, I, guess... I hear they digitally replaced <laughs> Sophia Coppola. <laughs> Sophia Coppola. She's not in it anymore. <laughs> They should do, yeah, they should do that. I kept reading like uh, reviews of it though, saying uh, with the headline saying it redeems Sofia Coppola's performance. I'm like, well, at least there's that. At least there's that. I guess I don't know. I like The Godfather Three. It's fine. Yeah, I never actually had a problem with it when I saw it, but I haven't seen it since I was a teenager, so I I don't know how well it holds up. But yeah, honestly, another big I problem is they it, just couldn't get Robert Duvall back. Yeah, and right? so they like had some other dude. But I thought it was fairly entertaining at the time, so I don't know why. I guess people, you know, coming off the first two. 
too. People were just expecting the greatest movie of all time again. And I guess that just wasn't So it. Criterion is putting out Mouchette, a Robert Bresson film, if you want a, you know, emotionally uh, cold experience. Like, yeah, for Christmas, you know. <laughs> for this holiday season. And they're also putting out Symbiopsychotaxiplasm. Mark, yeah, take it away. I'm it. sure you've seen this one. <laughs> I have. I, I've seen, so this is a strange, for those who don't know, this is a strange sort of experimental documentary uh, done in two parts. They call it Take One and Take Two, uh, done by a filmmaker named William Greaves. And the Take One was done in the 70s. And it's basically just this like meta film school documentary where William Greaves plays himself as like a film school teacher. And he's like, filming this sort of like short film in Central Park with a bunch of students and it kind of chronicles the making of that with just at the actual footage from this movie they're shooting which is just kind of this like bland melodrama type thing and then take two I haven't actually seen take two but it, it does it kind of like recreates things I think way more recently so maybe in like the 2000s they kind of went back and sort of recaptured what they were doing in the first one um, I like the first one a lot though um, it's really interesting it's one of like kind of the I guess I wouldn't say the earliest meta documentaries, but it's one of the earlier kind of meta documentaries that people still kind of talk about. Um, it got a huge revival, I think, when Criterion put it out, and it got a lot of support from, I think, actors like, I think Steve Buscemi was a big supporter of it and everything about kind of getting it out, since it was sort of kind of this like New York underground film for a while. So yeah, it's been on DVD before, but now Criterion has upped it to Blu-ray. And yeah, I think this is just a really cool film, especially for like, aspiring filmmakers it's really really interesting and i like how william greaves allows himself to be portrayed really unsympathetically throughout it he's kind of he's kind of like a dick throughout a lot of it and kind of like presides over his film students with this like air of superiority but it's really it's really interesting stuff it's kind of hard to describe but um I don't know. If you want something a little more adventurous, yeah, this is cool. I'm surprised this is coming out considering that the DVD is the Criterion one I see the most in used bins. <laughs> like... Oh, I know. That's the thing. I can't say this sells all that well because I think people just, A, don't know what it is, B, are put off by the weird title that they can't pronounce, and C, if they find out what it's about, they're just like, uh, that doesn't sound interesting to me. It is super highly, highly meta. It's highly about the act of filmmaking. So... I don't know, but I, there's definitely, like, a lot of cool stuff in this, and I think it's just one of those things that a lot of people don't even really know about, so... I, but, yeah, is it worth the upgrade? If you already bought the DVD, I'm not sure how much worth the upgrade is. I mean, it was shot on, I think, 16mm back in the 70s, uh, and the DVD looks pretty good as it is, um, so I don't know if they've, like, newly restored it or anything... But I'm not sure. I mean, I actually saw this at the Tiff Bell Lightbox here in Toronto a couple years ago when they played it uh, on a film print. It looked gorgeous. So I don't know what, what print they were using it from, if it was like a new one or not, or if it was restored. But um, but yeah, this is out on Blu-ray. If you want something adventurous or if you need something like a more like obscure kind of gift for the film fan in your life, I would say highly So we also them. have another Arrow box set because they can't keep stop releasing them. They're cursed. Just can't stop. And this is Survivor Ballad, three films by Shohei Imamura, the director probably most famous for The Ballad of Narayama. But this box set includes that one, Zegan, and Black Rain, as well as a bunch of special features. Yeah, I am very not familiar with Shohei Imamura, so I don't 
think I've seen any of his films. <laughs> uh, gorgeous looking box, though, from Arrow. I could have you sworn know. that the Ballad of Narayama was released by Criterion, uh, a, wasn't that's it? That's a different Ballad of Narayama. So Criterion mm. released the 50s Ballad of Narayama, which... Which uh, is the most famous yeah, one, I Yeah, I can't remember uh, who did so it. Shohei Imamura's one is from the 80s, early 80s. So uh, gorgeous set, though, and like a lot of Arrow sets, especially this year, it's probably going to go out of print uh, sooner rather than later. It'll come back in print it just they won't will, include yeah. the booklet <laughs> or they'll release the film separately or something like that so moving on we also have raining in the mountain another king hugh film from film movement speaking of box sets why don't they do just a box set of king hugh films you know what i think they might do it at some point i feel like film movement is the kings of putting all these things out individually really? and then once everybody well they did it with the ealing comedies recently when they oh, put all the ealing ones out separately and then they put them all in a box set like a few weeks ago we got it out so it's like oh wow if you spent all that Because I know that uh, the company Spectrum Films in France is putting out a bunch of King Who films in a box set. So they're probably using the same masters that Film Movement is using, which means that the rights, like, you know, they're not a bunch of companies. Like, they could do a box set of King Who yeah. films. Well, so, I mean, if you've been buying these, you know, this is another gorgeous, <laughs> immaculate, you know, restoration. But, yeah, I don't know. If, if you've been holding off, you know, maybe hold off a bit. I wouldn't put it that, you know, because they did the same thing with the Takashi Katano films, too, right? When they put out Boiling Point. Uh, did they put out a box set of did, all of them? Yeah, yeah Violent so Cop. So they put out Boiling and, Point, ooh. Violent Cop, and Hannah B separately, and then they put out a box set, like, six months later. <laughs> That's not how you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to do the box set first and then put them out. I know, right? And it's literally just the three releases stuck in like a cardboard box together, so... Well, I guess people don't really care if they bought it earlier. I mean, other than it costing them more money. It's just a money thing, so if you don't care about that, then but you know, you know what? Collection. I, I can see their side, though. That they need to make an income through the single releases before they can do a box set. That's true, that's true. It probably, you know, it works for them, so... So, moving on, we have Buster Keaton's Collection, Volume 4, Go West College from Cohen. Yeah, this is you just bought another... the first three, get these ones. <laughs> you know, or if you just love Go West and College. Uh, yeah, if you haven't bought the 100 releases of Go West and College they've already released. You know, the thing with these is, like, Kino put all these films out years ago on Blu-ray and, like, Ultimate Editions. And now Cohen is re-releasing them. They do say they're, like, newly restored, so I don't know what the quality is like compared to the older Kino releases. But they also don't really include all the features that were on these like really big ultimate editions in the past so really it's I kind of a mixed like bag everything. yeah it's kind of a mixed bag but i think yeah in terms of they they i think they do look better than they've ever looked before but i can't say i've actually seen these and if you bought criterion's fellini box set kino's like hey there's one you don't have because they're putting out fellini's casanova casanova yeah this is a weird one because it was only ever available on dvd as like an mod from universal like a universal vault dvd they never even really had like a good dvd release of it and then i guess kino when they got the universal catalog jumped right on this one before you know criterion could try and sneak in there or anything um i've never seen this one here it's pretty you know lavish and wild like a lot of that stuff for that he was making around this era we also have from kino the return of the musketeers the musketeers older than you've ever seen them on screen <laughs> yeah i didn't realize this series went to 1989 with these movies but uh here well they okay are. so you don't know the stories about the musketeers right which is that they shot the first and second one as one movie, and then they broke them up, and it resulted in a big lawsuit because the people who made it only got paid for one film. 
And I guess they um, settled some debts and Richard Lester came back for this uh, here very tired, you know, continuation (laughs) of the story. Yeah. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I can't say I'm much of a musketeer guy, so I don't. don't Have you ever seen seen the Richard Lester musketeers? I haven't seen any of them, you know. Uh, They're really fun. Yeah, like we've had rentals of the first Listen, two. Mark, I don't think there's more ever... than just Peter Himes, the Musketeer. I know, I know, right? That's clearly the best. You know what? I haven't even seen that one. I haven't even seen the Disney one from the 90s, which you'd think I would have seen, right? Oh, with the cast, one with but... uh, Kiefer Sutherland? Yeah, Charlie Sheen and whoever else <laughs> well, was in it. I don't think anyone's seen that since like the I week it like came out. Was, yeah, I feel like that had like a bit of popularity in the 90s. I, I heard about it a lot. I always confuse that with the man in the Iron Mask, which I know that, you've seen. I've definitely seen. I saw that in theaters as a kid, yeah. I remember, yeah. You're a William Wallace completist. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> uh, so moving on, we have The Greek Tycoon being released by Scorpion. This is one of their classier films starring Anthony Quinn as The Greek Tycoon, and it's a story of a fiery romance between Jacqueline Bisset and Anthony Quinn. Yeah, strange title for Scorpion to put out. Uh, I mean, people have been They asked... do weird ones like yeah. this every now and then. Well, this has been available on DVD before, just from like Universal, but it was always in full screen, and that turned off a lot of people. I remember we would order it for people, and certain people would complain about it, and like we had a lot of customers asking about this film over the years, and it was never really available in any good form. But here it is, and then it's kind of been sitting on the shelf. So I don't know. Where where are all these fans of the Greek Tycoon? So we also have My Science Project being released by Kino, and it's this week's Blind, Blind Buy! Oh, you got a Blind Buy! Blind <laughs> so this is a movie I always meant to watch, because you see it on lists of 80s comedies, and I never have until now. Uh, yeah, not good. <laughs> not good at all. Uh, yeah, I kind of kind of hated this movie a little bit, but... Uh, it's uh, hilarious to me that this was released a month after Back to the Future in the 80s. Um, and I know the story goes that John Stockwell, who is the star yeah, of this Yeah, they're film, like, you got Michael J. Fox, we got Charisma Dynamo John Stockwell. Well, apparently John Stockwell auditioned for Back to the Future, which I did not know. And he was, you know, turned down for Michael J. Fox because it's John, Sto- it's John uh, Stockwell. No, he wasn't. Not Michael J. Fox. He was turned down for or Eric, Eric Stoltz. Stoltz. I'm sorry, yeah. And then Michael J. Fox. But I don't know. Apparently he was, you know, in... The, he auditioned for Back to the Future and then didn't get it, and then he got this. So this was released a month, like exactly a month after Back to the Future, and bombed, I think, at the time because I guess people were still just going to see Back to the Future and didn't care about this. This movie has a fun premise, which is like a weird device that mixes the past, the future, uh, and yeah, pretty much. But what if it didn't do anything until the last twenty minutes? I know, you know, I was like dozing off through so much of this movie because like nothing was happening, but then it like explodes and. This bonanza of stuff at the end, which yeah, is a little, a little too late, I would say, though, because uh, there's a cool dinosaur. That's all the movie's really famous for. Yeah, it's really just about the dinosaur, folks. <laughs> That's all. And what I did not realize until after watching this that the director, who's the director again, Jonathan Butchell, uh, you mean that he is a T-Rex only filmmaker? Uh, that he would go on to direct the '90s home video classic Theodore Rex, <laughs> which was a favorite of mine as a child. So really. You know. That was infamously the first, like, big-budget direct-to-video I know. film. I remember renting that, like, maybe the week it came in, and honestly, I, I can't... <laughs> you were like, my name's down to rent this Theodore Rex. Yeah, I know, right? I think I just saw it on the shelf, and it was like, that cover, like, sign me up. So good. Um, 
can't really remember that much about it anymore, but I was definitely obsessed with it when I was like nine, ten years old. Um, so yeah, this was the director. So it's My Science Project and Theodore Rex, I think, are the only two films he's directed. <laughs> Get me the T-Rex, man. Yeah, I know. But he wrote The Last Starfighter, too. I think that's what he's uh, most known okay. for. I'd say that My Science Project looks cool, like an eight, like the, all the 80s films that were coming out around then, because like you couldn't make a film without it looking good back then. Exactly, right? And you know, you get Dennis Hopper in it, who plays kind of like a hippie. T- it's like a riff on his Easy Rider he's barely persona. In it. Like they paid oh, for three well, days. Apparently, he was cut. That was I think this was his first movie after coming out of rehab. Like I think it was his first movie since he like walked off the set of that film in like South America and like when he was like high on mescaline or whatever. So he was like coming out of rehab and he was like ready to be in movies again and this is what they cast him in i think the thing i i don't know about you but i think the thing i hated about this the most was just how unlikable the main characters are in this film Ugh, they're the worst fisher stevens character holy shit I don't. I can't remember the last time I saw a more homophobic character in a movie before. They drop the f slur all the time. Yeah, all the time, and he drops it in particular. Uh, he drops the d slur. He drops a bunch of different slurs. He harasses women in it, and he's basically playing like the wacky sidekick to John Stockwell's like more straight man protagonist. And you're supposed to think he's funny, right? Like he's supposed to be a funny. I don't know, cool character? Isn't that what the point is? Listen, Fisher Stevens, he still has one more offense he can bring forward. <laughs> and you know, well, you know what's funny about that? There, I was actually, I took the disc home and I, the special features, there's a commentary on this from like a couple of historians or something, but then there's an- Oh, it, I was going to say, it was Fisher Stevens? He's like, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. There is an interview with Fisher Stevens, like a 10 minute interview. And I, I threw it on because I'm like, I want to see what he says about this because his character is super offensive in this movie. And he doesn't say anything about that. He talks about how much fun it was to work on, how much he loved the movie, how the director gave them so much freedom to improvise and everything. I'm like, dude, if you're, ta- oh, no. if you're talking about improvising, like, dude, you like have some real bad lines in this. So. Also, this is a no girls allowed kind of movie. She gets sidelined and needs to be saved. Oh, my God. This is such a no girls allowed movie. The John Stockwell, the way John Stockwell behaves to his like love interest in this is just pretty despicable i i just i just hated both of the main characters from like the first five minutes like you just can't get into their vibes at all and just particularly fisher stevens he just rubbed me the wrong way and he says some things at times that are pretty vile and i just like and it almost like i think you're supposed to laugh but it almost like i don't think i've been as horrified by what certain characters have said in a movie for a while. And I mean, we just watched DC Cab last week, which had like some pretty bad stuff in it as well. And I found this I found this more offensive. Guest House. Guest House is like VOD schlock, so maybe I was just I don't really expect anything but like offensiveness from that. You're like, I expect more from Fisher Short Circuit Dudes Demons. Yeah, I mean, maybe I shouldn't have. I guess it's just like, when it's an 80s movie aimed at like teens, it's like, for such a big budget movie, it's just... Look, I, I get that it's the 80s and it was a different time. I guess it's just shocking to see such a big budget movie have so many 
vile like homophobic slurs misogyny in it like just up front too it's not even like t- subtext it's like text in this movie so and you know well you know what i don't necessarily mind a good 80s sex comedy either and it's I know- not fun either so that's all you can focus on because there's nothing else around yeah it. maybe that's what it is because like at least with dc cab last week it was like pretty offensive a lot of the time but also like pretty fun a lot of the time so it kind of offset that this is just yeah, not fun and offensive most of the time. But it's so, a big special edition, so pick it up. Yeah, well, a big special edition with, like, a commentary and an interview with Fisher Stevens. So. <laughs> with Fisher Stevens, the big guns. So would I recommend my science project as a blind boy? No. No, not at all. no thank you. Um, I guess maybe this is for, like... I this I assume this is just for people who saw this as a kid and just have, like, nostalgia for it, and that's it, because... I don't find this movie entertaining at all. So moving on, we got Under the Yum Yum Tree uh, starring Jack Lemmon. Under the Yum Uh, Yum Tree. (laughs) Every time I I looked into it, it's like a sex comedy. And I was like, was Jack Lemmon? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, A love struck landlord tries to convince a pretty tenant to dump her fiance and give him a chance. (laughs) And this is actually part of a whole series of Jack Lemmon Blu-rays that Sony's just put out. Uh, And we actually just got the rest of them. They were all kind of late. We just got them in today. So I might as well just throw the title out there right now it comes with there's also the notorious landlady there's operation mad ball <laughs> all landlady related yeah, comedies I, I guess good neighbor sam and my favorite title is <laughs> <laughs> yep i'm a bigger fan of <laughs> instead with the snake man <laughs> yes that one's better yeah that one's way better <laughs> uh anyways all these jack lemon movies were previously on a dvd box set together of jack lemon stuff so i don't know why they couldn't just release all these on a box set together because, uh, because they want your money MODs mark that's why sony they do well please buy them because i i can't send these speaking back, of things so. that are pricey indicator has a new release it's the front the woody allen starring film directed by martin ritt about the hollywood blacklist yeah, is this any good i actually have never seen this uh it's it's solid i mean i think woody allen is uh not playing to his comedic strength here he's trying to do something different like it's pretty straight it's mostly famous for the other performances in it and the fact that it actually deals with the blacklist directly which even in 1978 was like oh don't touch that you know we don't really want to talk about it because people that did it are still working in the industry it's mostly like heralded for a really great performance by zero mostel as a blacklisted filmmaker Uh, well it's yeah beautiful like indicator usually does this is a beautiful edition of it very it's Woody Allen's face oh, right yeah, on the Woody front. Allen's face is right on the front, so, you know. <laughs> but, you know, Woody Allen made a lot of classic films, so, you know, here so it is. So we also have The Garden of Words, an early animated film from the director of Your Name, the biggest anime in the last decade. Yeah, so this one's finally getting a Blu-ray release. I believe it was on DVD before, but, uh, yeah, if you want to check out some of his early stuff, I don't know too much about this, but it's pretty well reviewed it's got a really cool premise got a cool look to it so if you're into his stuff check this there's one also out. total recall and collateral on uhd and total recall is actually cool because there's an hour-long documentary about the company that made total recall uh, carol co pictures yeah no this is actually a really nice ultra hd release it's a three disc set and one of the one of the discs is just all the special features that were already on the previous uh, Ultimate Recall Blu-ray. Ah, finally, when I pick this up, I can toss out that ugly round Mars one that I have. 
<laughs> I know, I know. Um, but yeah, it comes with a third disc that is all new special features, including this hour-long Carolco documentary, um, which, yeah, is definitely fascinating because, yeah, Carolco is a company that I definitely grew up with and then they just sort of disappeared because I guess they ran out of money. I think it was uh, wasn't it Cutthroat Island that really sank them. I believe that was... Yeah, Cutthroat Island is what basically made them yeah, bankrupt. So, but I mean, they put out some of the best Arnie movies of the late 80s, early 90s, including this one. Um, so yeah, Ooh, I mean... Love Total Recall. Oh, love it. This is definitely my favorite Arnold movie and it's my favorite Paul Verhoeven movie. It's just... It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And even if you bought the previous... Like, I brought the previous Blu-ray, which was pretty loaded. It was... But that was pretty cheap. So even I'm considering upgrading to this, even though it I don't It has have... the infamous uh, Arnie commentary track with Paul Verhoeven. It does, which is so funny. And I don't usually listen to commentary tracks, but this is the one, one of the few commentary tracks. It's just Arnie listing what's on screen as if, like, it's a track for the blind. I know, and I love it. I love it. It's so funny. And him, his, like chemistry or lack thereof with Paul Verhoeven as they talk about this is so funny. I don't know. It's just like, it's a great, it's great. I mean, I've, I had seen Total Recall so many times that it's the kind of movie I'm like, ah, oh, I want to watch this with the commentary once. And I thought it was just a hoot. It's so funny. And collateral, <laughs> finally, the 1080p movies in 4K. Because, you know, it doesn't, you know, it looks so beautiful and everything. Um, well, I know, I know. I know. I, People are like, oh, actually, a lot of parts were shot on 35mm. So, yeah, but a lot of parts were shot in 1080p as well. I know. You know, I really do like collateral. It's, it's a great movie. I don't have an Ultra HD player, so. <laughs> so, moving on, we're going to the new, 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 new section and mark takes the baton all right we'll start off with some can con and possessor brandon cronenberg's new movie uh this is i guess probably one of the biggest canadian movies of the year it's been much talked about i saw antiviral back when it came back at tiff when it came out and i liked it uh i liked this too i think my i guess my small issue with this is his movies just feel so much like david cronenberg movies at this so, point okay i will say that i feel like it is that way only because he cannot get any other movie made i guess so uh, brandon cronenberg is in his 40s so he's been trying to get movies made for a long time <laughs> doesn't this just remind you of existence though this yeah movie? i mean it's different enough from existence it would be cool if it was in the same yeah, world it's got a different style to it for sure uh, no, don't get me wrong. I mean, I did like this movie. I, I liked it a little more than Antiviral. Um, but yeah, and it, it definitely has a hypnotic look to it. Great score. Yeah, really cool look. Uh, and the the cast is fantastic. I love Andrea Riseborough. I love Christopher Abbott. And then you got Jennifer Jason Lee in there in a small role, which definitely, you know, goes towards that existence comparison. And it is shot in Toronto, Canada. And it's shot in Toronto. Yeah, you get a lot of Toronto. So it's really cool to see Toronto in this movie. And the gore is really cool. It's all, it's mostly all practical effects, too. Oh, and I was watching the movie last week, and there's a scene at a party, and one of the guards that grabs the lead of the film, I'm like, oh, is that... And it is. It's Alex Chung, director of Contracts. Is it really? Oh, I must have missed that. Yeah, that's great. And I messaged him. I'm like, you're not on IMDb, man. And he's like, whoops, I'll add that. But yes, that was me. He's like, it was a very easy day of shooting. Oh, nice, nice. That is very cool. Um, Well, yeah, you know, it's 
it's still a cool movie. And, you know, Brandon Cronenberg, I, you know, I, I joke about nepotism and whatever, but like Brandon Cronenberg actually does shop at the store a lot. He, he does come in and buy a lot of stuff. And he's also, you know, from my interaction with him, he's a really super nice guy. Really. And he's like a huge cult movie fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've heard uh, friends of friends. I've never met him, but uh, I got pals that have hung out with him. And he says he's super cool and he's been trying to get movies made for years and they keep following through yeah no it's it's sad i guess that like even the son of one of canada's biggest directors of all time has such a hard time getting movies made um but i think this is the kind of film that will definitely open up more doorways for him because it God, does i like, hope so everybody who sees it seems to have a pretty positive out i love like it's trippy in a way that like cronenberg's i say cronenberg his name is cronenberg <laughs> david his father's films aren't a trippy in a in a way that i think is more like in the last couple of years have been kind of coming to the forefront but i also think it delivers as a genre piece in a way that a lot of the films that do that kind of stuff don't like he likes these kind of movies and i think that where it goes is a really interesting place and the things that it demands you to follow because you're like i'm following this protagonist but like they're a sociopath (laughs) so you're like uh, am i supposed to feel sympathy and i mean that's the question that the movie's asking you i was a little bit worried that it was going to be like a body horror thing and i was like ugh I don't really want like one of those things again. And it's not really all the body horror stuff that you may see in imagery is all in like a dreamscape. Yeah, it's more of like a sci-fi kind of espionage thriller than anything else I find, which I kind of found more refreshing because I thought antiviral while I did like antiviral, I thought that was a little too. That's why I didn't check it out. I was like too close. That was a little too much about like just body horror that reminded me more of David Cronenberg stuff. That one felt a little less original, whereas this one definitely seems to have more of its own vibe so yeah i hope he gets more work and you can tell he's just like i mean i know because he shops here and he buys tons of like cult movies like all the stuff we talk about and you can tell he's just like a real fan of like cult cinema he like knows his stuff and he like puts it all into these movies and yeah it's just really cool and yeah like you said the seamless kind of shifting povs and just like where your sympathies lie it's just it really you know it really keeps you engaged throughout the whole Uh, thing i gotta say brandon if you listen what's the deal no commentary track on this blu-ray yeah weirdly enough there's not but they have included his short film that he made uh, i think there's like an hour of behind the scenes stuff as well yeah yeah so there's some decent stuff but uh, i will say if you're buying this on 4k ultra hd which is an import it's a u.s import because the canadian release they just did blu-ray and dvd the uh the u.s one does not come with that short film unfortunately they have all the deleted scenes but they don't have like the the can short film that he made that was like the inspiration for i'm this. guessing that all of these releases that you have is the uncut version right because there's a big brew yeah that was that. The, the so the cut version that i guess you know, I don't even know where that played really, but that was only done in the U.S. So for the U.S. release, which was put out by WellGo in Canada, it was put out by Elevation. Uh, but yeah, in WellGo, they've done two separate releases, an uncut release and a cut release. I don't know who would buy the cut release. There's but... no blockbuster or anything like like no one cares about the ratings. Like what the hell is going on? I don't I don't know. I don't get it, especially this year when it, most people just saw this on VOD anyway. Right. Uh, like, most people pirated it. You know that the film like leaked like a year ago. I right? heard that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I heard people were seeing it. Yeah, it's like early as a year ago. So it seems to be getting a lot of love. So uh, yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Listen, Brandon, if you're listening and if you're a Bay Street video fan, I hope you are. I'm going to pick up a copy. Do it. (laughs) So moving on, what else we got, Mark? We've got Proxima, which is the new film from Alice Winokur, who uh, last, I think her last film was Disorder, which was the, uh, that French thriller with Matthias Schoenertz and Diane Kruger, which I really, really liked. Really cool kind of like... um, bodyguard you know thriller about a matthias schoenart playing like a bodyguard to diane kruger's wealthy lady oh yeah i have a vague memories of that wasn't it kind of an action film that's how i heard it talked about it is uh, yeah yeah, yeah it's, i think it premiered as like a gala at tiff and everybody thought it was this like arty kind of film which it, it kind of is but it's definitely like a pulse pounding thriller as well with a great soundtrack uh this is her new film which is uh, kind of sci-fi themed, but Eva Green plays a astronaut who's about to leave on this journey, and it basically just kind of deals with her life as she's planning to go away. I think her husband's played by Matt Dillon. I uh, haven't seen this one. It played at TIFF either last year or the year before. Uh, and I've heard really good things about it, um, and it is finally here. No Blu-ray on this one, though, surprisingly. I don't know. Vertical's just put the what set on What is up with this, like, uh, astronaut fever that is going through cinema lately? Oh, I know, right? So apparently this is more, way more ground-based. I don't even think she goes into space until, like, the very end. No, but, but I, I mean specifically, like, astronauts not going into space. There's so many of those, like, TV shows and movies. They're like, oh, Ad Astra, it's going to be such a big hit. We got to somehow <laughs> rip it off. So moving on, we've got My Dog Stupid, which is a great title. <laughs> so this is a French film with Charlotte Gainsbourg and Yvonne Attal, who also directed. He's a huge French star um, who's more just known in France. He hasn't really crossed over. Um, I don't know. It's kind of like a French rom-com about a writer in crisis who gets a dog. I don't know. It's... That's a dog movie. <laughs> it's a dog. It's a French dog movie. You dig? So there it is. Uh, then we've got Frau Stern, which is a German comedy about uh, an older lady who I believe is a Holocaust survivor who just kind of wants her life to end. But it's like played for laughs. So it's like a dark, charming comedy about a woman who kind of wants her life to end, I guess. <laughs> that reminds me that I want to see that movie that we talked about, about like, I think it was a German film where they named their son Adolf. And that's the whole movie about. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, how about Adolf, right? I still haven't seen that either. That actually, I kind of like that premise, you know? I feel like that could be, you know, pretty dramatically fulfilling. Uh, then moving on, we've got Song Without a Name, which is a very well-acclaimed foreign film from uh, Peru about a, uh, a young mother whose newborn daughter is stolen at a fake health clinic. And her, she basically spends the movie desperately searching for this child. Uh, and it becomes this big, like, national kind of story. Uh, heard really good things about this. It's shot in black, like, beautiful black and white. Kind of that full frame aspect ratio. Uh, it's been picking up tons of awards at festivals and everything. So it's finally here. So check this out. Film Movement <laughs> put this one out. Yes! 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 Uh, and then we've got uh, Elmar Lamar, a new documentary that Cinema Guild's putting out. Uh, and I saw this one, and this is, ooh, this is beautiful, this movie. This is right up my alley. So it's basically like an impressionistic portrait of the Sonoma Desert on the uh, California-Mexico border where a lot of um, illegal immigrants try and cross over into the U.S. And it basically is just mostly, it's very, very experimental, mostly like 
really hypnotic shots of the landscape and everything, but it's narrated by stories from actual people who are either immigrants who have tried to cross or just people who live in that area and have witnessed either like they've found dead bodies of immigrants trying to cross or just witnessed like really horrible stories of the, basically the immigration crisis in the U.S. Um, it's a really hypnotic, beautiful documentary uh, made by a couple of guys who came out of the Harvard uh, Sensory Ethnographic Lab, I think it's called. Got into that. <laughs> Harvard? Get Harvard? out of here. Yeah. Well, they've been doing a lot of like really cool documentaries where it's like experiential stuff. La -dee -da. Their monocles are probably falling out while they're filming this stuff. Yeah, I know. It's real highfalutin stuff here. You know, that's why right Cinema Guild's Simpsons. putting it out. <laughs> Anyways, you know, if you like your highfalutin experiential documentaries, go for this. It's really great. Elmar Lamar. Uh, and then coming up, we've got a couple music documentaries. We've got All I Can Say, which is the doc about the lead singer of Blind Melon, who tragically died at the age of 28. Oscilloscope put this one out. Uh, can't say I was much of a Blind Melon fan, but, you know, I know, I know they're big. Right? I can't name one song by Blind Melon. Yeah, I'm not sure. And then we've also got White Riot, which is about the 1976, I believe, concert um, Rock Against Racism that I believe Eric Clapton put on. Uh, really well-acclaimed documentary about that and kind of looking back at that time. And then we've got Major Arcana, which is a indie American indie film about a car, I think a ex-con carpenter building a house or something. I don't know, man. I, I don't even know what to say about these movies anymore. <laughs> uh, so yeah, moving on, we've got Steven Universe, the complete series. People really like this show, right? This is this is a big deal. Yeah, are you a fan of this? Great. And I guess it's ain't coming to Blu-ray, right? DVD nope. only. Yeah, this is a DVD only release. I don't know why Cartoon Network does this. They did it with Adventure Time. They too. do not like physical media with adventure time i was buying the blu-ray sets of all those seasons for a while and then, they just, and then they just stopped and then they just put out a complete set which is okay great but it's only on dvd like no they like the animation is so beautiful on these shows why would i want it on dvd but such is life it's still a beautiful box set great gift for the holidays if you've got kids that are into steven universe or you're an adult that likes steven or universe. you're just an adult that likes steven universe but you know um, no Blu-ray, unfortunately. No Blu-ray. Uh, and then we've got The Devil Has a Name, which is directed by Mr. Edward James Olmos, actually. Um, I think he's directed a few films now. The uh, incredible ice cream suit man himself. Right. That was him, <laughs> which I've never seen, but I feel like I saw that trailer on so many VHS tapes I rented when I Edward was a kid. Edward James Olmos and Edward, Edward James, James Olmos. Olmos. Anyways, this is a serious movie he's made about uh, a psychotic oil matriarch who leaves the whole industry exposed when she attempts to outfight a bullish farmer whose water has been poisoned. Uh, it's got a huge cast, which includes David Strathair and Alfred Molina, uh, Edward James Olmos, of course, <laughs> Kathleen Quinlan. But then you've also got Kate Bosworth. And is that Haley Joel Osment in this <gasps> Mr. movie? Mr. Big Head yes. himself? <laughs> Mr. Big Head himself is in this movie. So uh, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I think uh, Martin Sheen is in this, too. It's got a big cast. But, you know, I don't know. It's about the oil industry. So if you're into that. Yeah, they're be... evil. I hope they all die. They're evil. Yeah, I'm sure it doesn't have the much to say. The devil has a name. But... 
It's oil. And Edward James almost. Man, we haven't had a new uh, Nick Cage film in a while. It felt like there was a new one every week for a while. Yeah, next week. Next week. We'll, oh, we'll be, right. Jiu-Jitsu. You know what it is. I've seen that. <laughs> I, I know. I'll be watching it. I'll be watching it. But. I know you will. I know. Uh, and then we've got The New Pope from HBO, which is a continuation of The Young Pope, which was the Paolo Sorrentino series from a few years ago, Jude Law. This one also has Jude Law, but it has John Malkovich as well who I guess takes over for Jude Law when Jude Law gets ill or something. I don't know. I never I never see any of these. I mean, I like Paolo Sorrentino's movies back in the day, like The Great Beauty. Mm, so um, bougie, Mark. So bougie. I know. I, I have not seen The New Pope, though. So. I'm saying you're bougie, not The New Pope. I haven't seen the series. So. I am bougie. I am bougie, but I have not gotten around to... But you to... have gotten around to Yellowstone Season 3, right? I, I have, because you know I'm such a huge Kevin Costner fan. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Kevin Costner, I'm looking at stills here. He looks so tired. I I hate Kevin Costner. You know, this show has gotten more and you more hate popular. Kevin Costner? Yeah, Kevin Costner's just never done it for me. He I didn't just... throw his vote behind the right candidate and swing vote. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Swing vote. Um, I don't know what it is. He's just always come off like an annoying dad to me or something. I just never really got the Kevin Costner vibe. But people really, really loved this show. It kind of started quietly. It didn't really do much business for us. But like with each season that comes out, more and more people are getting into this. So... I don't know. Season three is here. Is it like a Western? Yeah, it's kind of like a modern Western kind of thing. Oh, it's like a family of ranchers yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay. Although, no, you thank know you. who I believe is on this show now? Mr. Wes Bentley. What? Your favorite? <laughs> Bizarro Mark. He's me. Yeah, Bizarro Mark is in this. Yeah, he's actually... I know he was in season two, so I think he's in season three as well, but... Anyways, rounding out this new list, we've got a real special title here. That is called Smiley Face Killers. It is directed by Tim Hunter, who you would know mainly as the director of River's Edge, but it is written and produced by everybody's favorite writer, Brett Easton Ellis. No, I'm sorry. I'm not 15 year, years anymore. <laughs> uh, he's not my favorite I know, writer. I know. It's funny. I saw an article that he actually got an article written because I guess this movie's coming out in The Independent in the UK. And I think that I just saw the headline and it was like, Brett Easton Ellis doesn't care about cancel culture. He's already had to deal with, or it's like, it's opened him up to a whole new legion of fans. I'm like, uh, yeah, like right wing fans. Oh, God. You know? Remember when he had his podcast and he was like interviewing people like Kanye West? And I remember listening to a few episodes and I'm like, ooh, I do not like Brett Easton Ellis. He I know. Sucks. And I was, you know, as a typical teenager, I was a big fan. Less Than Zero is one of my favorite books of all time because I just loved it as a I, kid. I think the issue is that like you read his books and you're like, oh man, he's satirizing this so well. Well, it's like, oh, no, wait, that's just yeah, who he is. Yeah, then you grow up and you're like, uh, I think he might just be one of these rich assholes. Like, oh, you know? no, he and Whit Stillman got a, an apartment together. <laughs> they should get it. The no satire <laughs> yeah, zone. They should get an apartment. <laughs> um, so I did see this. I did watch this movie out of morbid curiosity because, you know, I need to. Um, you know, I still keep up with Brett Easton Ellis. I know I've, I've seen... Well, I've seen the canyons a couple times. I can't. I can't lie. I, I enjoy. I enjoy the canyons. Yeah, a couple times. What? I know. I know. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. What can I say? And I also ordered in recently a horror movie that he wrote from God about five, ten years ago now, which I didn't even know existed, called The Curse of Downers Grove. Have you heard of this one? It's some horror movie he wrote with like Kevin Zegers and like a bunch of random actors in it. So I will watch that and check back. But this one is a new film about that's kind of based on a true urban myth. So there's this whole urban myth about the spy smiley face murders where they've 
attributed a bunch of drowning deaths of uh, college, male college students that have happened all over like the U.S., over like the western coast of the U.S., and they were all ruled suicides or like accidental drownings, but uh, an investigator put together a bunch of things and th- claims that these were potentially done by a, a roaming group of serial killers that are killing college-age men and throwing them into the water and making it look like drownings. So Brett Easton Ellis has taken this concept and run with it a little bit and basically posited that maybe a cult who prays to some sort of water god is doing this. So basically the movie follows like a couple days in the life of this college, this, you know, typically bland, white, good-looking college student as he gets stalked by these killers, one of which is played by Mr. Crispin Glover, who has got a really deformed um, – he's got real deformed makeup to make him look really kind of freaky, I Man, guess. Man, this movie speaking your language, though. Brett, Brett Easton Ellis uh, and, and Crispin, Crispin Glover. Glover. I mean, I guess he's got a relationship with Tim Hunter, right, going back to River's Edge. So, And basically, yeah, you just follow this guy around as he's being stalked and then it, you know, ends pretty bleakly. You know what? I was expecting to hate this movie. And I I have to say, oh, no. Mark, no, I wouldn't say this is necessarily great, but it certainly has a vibe. And uh, for a lot of VOD stuff that I watch now, which has no vibe and is just really bland and boring, I was kind of surprised by how engaged I was in this movie. And speaking of the canyons, it definitely still I don't know if this is a Brett Easton Ellis thing, but it has that like stilted quality to the acting that the canyons has so much so to the fact that it, it almost feels like if the canyons were a horror movie, it would be like this movie. I don't know. Take that for what it is. If that's a recommendation to you, go for it. If that turns you off of it even more that's fine um it's got a really cool soundtrack it's got a cool look to it the actors yeah are all like all kind of like stilted and weird but in that yeah like i said in that canyons kind of way so i don't know i was i was expecting to like really dump on this movie more so but you can't you're an easton ellis uh fanatic i know what can i say i kind of enjoyed this a little bit but yeah, if you want to, I don't know, you know, Brett Easton Ellis's politics are, you know, complex to say the least. No, they're bad. Um, they're bad. He's real they're bad. Just bad. They're, they're just bad. And I mean, thankfully, his politics are not so much in this movie. This really is just like a straight kind of like um, dramatization of what this potential urban myth could look no like. No one talks about like the PC police or how everybody's a snowflake now. Yeah, there's no like weird like PC police kind of thing or cancel culture kind of stuff. I mean, the cast is all like, you know, super white and like bougie and young. So, so I mean, but it doesn't really, it doesn't really espouse any sort of political views either way. So, if you're worried about that kind of turning you off, I mean, it's not really in this film. Um, but if you don't want to watch a film that Brett Easton Ellis was involved with, I totally understand that, too. And it's by no means a masterpiece or anything. So, <laughs> it's like, I didn't know. hate it. Uh, you know, Mark I don't know, but the, I would give this like a fair, like a cautious recommendation, though. I, I would. Oh, wow. You probably have the highest, most positive review on Letterboxd. You should jump on there. And... I know. Yeah. <laughs> Because I remember when we were talking about this as a potential blind buy, you were saying the letterbox reviews were abysmal. So I was expecting like real abysmal shit. But you know Mark, what? You got to be that contrarian voice on letterbox. That... I, I guess I do. You know, dear I mean, listener, just... if you see Mark, be like, hey, are you on letterbox yet? <laughs> bug him until he I gets know, on. Please bug me, please. But you know what? I think more than anything, I just like the vibe that this movie has. And I'm a little impressed. And maybe that's a Tim Hunter thing. Um, although his last 
movie that I remember him making, which was a terrible Nicolas Cage thriller called Looking Glass. That is a terrible movie with no vibe or mood at all. So I don't know what happened. I don't know if this is mainly Brett Easton Ellis is doing or if Tim Hunter just maybe working with Crispin Glover again, you know, sparked some of that creativity. You know what? We may never know. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. So uh, that's it for the Bay Street Video Podcast this week. Mark Hansen. Keep and, on buying. And keep on renting. And bug him about not being on Letterboxd. These movies and many more are available at your local video store. I know. I know I'm not on Letterboxd. I'm sorry. I have an account. I've just never used it.